You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. If you were here when Derek was here last time, it's, it's a great message. The soul care, right? We're going to move forward in that. And I think that um, just, I'll say this, is this, Derek exemplifies this. And that's one thing that I just admire about Derek. And just he, he carries uh, this message throughout his life. And he, he, he makes room for these things that he's going to teach and preach. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's really good to be here. And uh, once again, thank you for such a warm welcome coming through the doors. Lots of friendly faces and smiles and handshakes. And so I feel like I'm kind of right here with family. So good to be here. I also want to say thank you before we jump in. Um, I believe the month of June, your church took up some offerings to help uh, the Youth for Christ ministry, specifically sending kids to camp. And uh, just so you know, we just finished our second camp of three this summer where we had High school kids went to Missouri a few weeks ago. Uh, Jason actually helped us with Fellowship Games Camp, which just, which just ended on Wednesday, which was a life-changing week for a lot of kids. And right now, as we speak, there's about 100 middle school kids at Sunstream Camp in central Iowa, and they are just getting started today. So you guys help make a ton of kids go. That's, that's a record number of students. I think we'll have like 215 different students that have gone to camp primarily unchurched kids. So thank you for that. So fun to launch off of that into this morning's message. We're going to, as kind of the bulletin talks about, we're talking about this thing called soul care. And um, earlier this summer, I was here to basically kind of do an overview of understanding the soul. That is really a foundational message that everything else we'll talk about is built on. So if you were not here Um, I don't know if the church records the messages or not, but I would encourage you to go to the website or find out how you can get that, because that is kind of a framework for everything else we're going to talk about. I can show you a picture real quick as to what that actually did look like visually. When you think about the soul, and uh, there we go, I can't see in the back. There you go. So the, um, the soul is made up of, in this diagram, concentric circles. And so we have a will, we have a mind, we have a body, we have a social dynamic to us. And then the soul encompasses all that, and it integrates all those things together. So the soul is not a separate thing from the rest of us. It brings everything else together, which is what, how God designed us to be, a holistic approach. And so sin messes with that. And what sin does, if, if the soul integrates, sin disintegrates those different pieces, and it causes all kinds of havoc, whether it's our relationships our choices, our bodies, whatever it might be, and that's the battle we face. This morning, what we're going to take a look at is how we can replenish the soul, how we can live a life, a lifestyle led by the Holy Spirit that helps us to be healthy in all of these different areas. Um, We summarized our first message in one sentence. You are not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. And our soul is what lives forever. But our soul is alive right now as well, and it will be as long as we are on this earth. And so today's focus is really how can we be healthy while we are still here before we get to go to be with the Father forever? 
how can we live a life that is full and replenished on a regular basis? Here's the outline for the message. It's three simple words, and I would dare say these words can change your life if you lean into them. And I speak that from experience personally. The three words are awaken, heal, and protect. So, for the past several years, my brother and I have been hiking the Superior Hiking Trail in northern Minnesota. It's a trail that runs from Duluth all the way up to the border of Canada. It's 310 miles long. It's a long trail. And it's beautiful. And from when you look on the east, this is what it looks like. You see Lake Superior to the right, and we like to go up in September when there's kind of the color that's happening, and it's just gorgeous. And then when you turn and you look to the left, inland, you see pictures like this, and it's just absolutely stunning. And so sometimes we have a hard time keeping focused on the trail, so we find ourselves tripping occasionally because it's just so beautiful when we're up there. And so we've been doing this for the last several years, and out of the 310 miles, we're about two-thirds of the way through. So we've got a little ways left to go, and we average 30, 35 miles every time we go up. And uh, the one thing that you'll note when you go up there is the campsites and just the whole experience is very primitive. So there's no water fountains, there's no uh, lodging, there's no little hotels or shelters or anything. You're just in the woods. And so you pack your backpack with everything that you need. And one of the big things that's critical is finding water sources along the way. So every time when my brother and I start looking at our next section, we pull out our maps and we start figuring out, okay, we can go this many miles before we come to this creek or this many miles till we get to this lake or whatever the case is. And the water sources are really critical. And we've basically discovered that there's three types of water sources. There's lakes, there's rivers, and then there's bogs. Now, the lakes and the streams and the rivers are awesome. Here's some pictures of kind of some of the things that you get to see when you get up there. There's these beautiful waterfalls. There's streams that move into more narrow areas where the pace picks up. And it's just fun to watch. And then there's kind of the calming streams. And then there's this. These are the bogs. And if you find yourself in an area where this is your only water source, you are in trouble. That is not a healthy source to be filtering water out of. We had to do that once, and that was enough. So, this whole picture and this experience for us has taught me some things in addition to just enjoying the outdoors. It's taught me some things about the condition of my soul. Because really, when you take a look at your soul, I love it when my soul condition is like a river. There's vitality, there's life, there's this freshness, there's a flow. It's like there's a fulfillment there that is just what life was meant to be. But I've had seasons in my life where it's been more like the bog, where it's like the wetland, stale, boggy, you know, foul smells, some of those kinds of things that just make up an unhealthy soul. That has been my experience as well. 2015 was a season that was like that for me. That was a rough year. It's probably one of the hardest years of both my wife and I's life. And a, a perfect storm of circumstances kind of converged on our family that year that just literally knocked us off our feet. And it pinned us down for a period of time. It started with kind of these weird chronic health issues with two of our three kids. 
And so it led us to doctor visits and not really getting answers. And then that led to mounting medical bills. And then that led to a lot of missed school and the stress that follows when your kids fall behind. It caused us to dig into our house and try to tear things apart to see if there's environmental issues like mold or things like that. We experienced pretty high levels of anxiety and frustration and fear, and that began to kind of turn inward toward each other. We became isolated from other people because, frankly, we just had very little to give, and we just felt like we were a burden on people. At the same time, YFC was in a pretty big season of change. We had added staff. We were reorganizing roles of leadership. And the ministry was growing, and my responsibilities continued to grow with that. I was less available for staff. I was less present when I was available. And at the same time, I was becoming increasingly distant from God and internally was just angry. I just could not make sense of everything that was happening. Have you ever been there? Words that best describe me during that season were overscheduled, overwhelmed, and exhausted. I was powering through but running on empty. It was during this time that God awakened me to the true condition of my soul. My heart had become a stagnant bog. It was polluted with confusion, with irritation, with impatience, and with discontentment. And I was taking my frustration out on the people that were closest to me. I was offering a cup of instead of clean, fresh water, and I can't even get this stirred up, but it was like offering a cup of dirty water. And the crazy thing is, is because my wife and my kids love me so much, they willingly drank it. And it was extremely convicting as I began to realize what was happening. When your soul is depleted, that's what it looks like. And the condition of your soul affects not only you, but everybody around you. John Ortberg has written a lot about this, and he says, if my soul is healthy, no external circumstances can destroy my life. If my soul is unhealthy, no external circumstances can redeem my life. Every weary soul needs an awakening moment. My awakening moment happened during this season when I sensed God saying, you don't have to stay here. I have something better. Ephesians 5.14, just like the song we sang a couple songs ago, it says this, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. Isn't that a great verse? To awaken is to recognize that right now, God has a divine version of his story for you that is very different from your current version. Seeing my soul as a stagnant bog had awakened me to want a better way, to want a better life. So how do you heal a wounded soul? For me, there was a verse in Jeremiah that I came across that was literally life-changing. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your souls. 
God had brought me to a crossroads, and he caused me to stop and evaluate life, to seek counsel from people who had traveled the path before me, to seek God for his good way, and to reprioritize my life in order to walk in it. I read a quote by Dallas Willard at the time that said this, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. Said another way, that with God, the who comes before the do. The who comes before the do. So this led me to ask a question that again began to change my life. The question was, God, who do you want me to be? That became my focal point. I changed my prayer focus from, God, what do you want me to do with this situation to, God, who do you want me to become? For the second half of my life, who is it that you want me to be? That question and a lot of honest self-assessment began the healing process for my soul. It identified the top six things that I believe God revealed to me that he wants me to be. Now, I share this simply as this is my story. These aren't the six that should be everybody's, but here's the ones that came to me. Number one is connected disciple, overarching everything. God wants me to be a connected disciple. Secondly, he wants me to be a loving husband. I have one wife, and she is the person that I need to focus that love on. Number three, an engaged dad. I was a dad, but I'm not sure how engaged I was. I was actually present, but I'm not sure if I was really present. Number four, a Christ-centered leader and teacher. Not a great YFC director, not a great ministry director, but a, but a Christ-centered leader and teacher, which applies in any context. Number five, a faithful and generous steward with my resources, with my time, with my health, with my talents. And in sixth, a life-giving presence. And I just thought, what would that look like for me to be a life-giving presence in whatever scenario I find myself in? Because I was not. I was more of a life-draining presence. Now, instead of letting all that I do inform who I am, I reversed it, and I am leading with the B. I'm letting the B inform what I do, and over the last three years, it's begun to transform my soul. Healing your soul involves surrendering your current reality to God, then allowing his healing power to redefine you. Healing yields remorse oftentimes. It yields a response. We need to remember that the root word of health is actually heal. You can't get to health except by going through a healing process. So as we confess our bog, our dirty water, our messed up souls, and we align our souls with God's priorities, we will begin to experience healing and freedom. The psalmist says this, have mercy, me, have mercy on me, O God. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. This is made possible because Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are 
healed. I had a really interesting experience this week at the camp that we were at. We do a crucifixion reenactment on the last night of camp, and we literally have the high school boys become soldiers, and three of them become the three people hung on the cross. I've done this camp for 22 years. It's powerful. We do it at night. We walk through the woods, lit by torches. We take the entire camp of kids. And it's one of those moments that it's just like, oh, my gosh, this was for me. In fact, we had a a gal after the experience just simply look up at her counselor and say, for me? And the coach said, for you. But this year it was unique for me because the kid that was on the center cross was my son. I've never experienced what it's like through the eyes of a father to watch your son on a cross. And while it was a reenactment, I was unexpectedly caught off guard by just the power. And so when I read this and I read about the fact what Jesus did for us gives us the ability to be healed, it's life-changing. And so... We can say, Lord, my God, I called to you for help even today, and you healed me. Those are scripture truths that penetrate our hearts. They can change us from the inside out. Healing is possible and available for all who want it because the stakes are high. The healing of your soul will impact not just you, but the people in your life as well. And not just now, But in future generations to come, if you can break the chains of sin and become healed and whole, you can literally change the direction of your future family tree. And many of you have done that. Many of you have experienced that by the power of what Jesus can do. And that is so cool. So we move into the third area. So awaken and heal, and then we get to the protect piece. And this is so critical for us to sustain this. I love this scripture in Proverbs 4. It says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard, protect your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. This is what it's really saying is this, is what's at stake with soul care is your very life itself. That's what this is about. There is a lot on the line when it comes to this type of teaching. So I want you to imagine your life is like a bucket, okay? All of us know what it's like when our bucket is full. We're walking close with God. We're filled by the Spirit. We're aware of his presence. We're just abiding deeply in him. We're connected with our spouse or our families or we're content with our singleness or whatever the scenario is for you. We're energized by recreational activities that we love to do. We're well-rested, we're eating right, we're staying fit, we're working at a pace that's sustainable and healthy. That kind of living gives you a sense of enthusiasm. It energizes us. It fills us with optimism and confidence. It gives us a deep sense of peace and contentment. But I'm guessing we also know what it's like to live with our bucket partially full or just plain empty. When your bucket is not full, perhaps you've drifted from God and you're beginning to do everything out of your own strength. You're not connected with people that deeply. You're not rested. You're not taking care of your body. You're constantly in a rush and you're preoccupied with the next thing on the list. 
That kind of living leaves you feeling hurried, fatigued, depleted, discouraged and overwhelmed and exhausted, just like I felt that year of 2015. So the question is today, if your life is a bucket, how would you describe your bucket in this season? How full is it? How fulfilling is it right now? What I have found is the depletion that happens with our buckets oftentimes come by things that you can't control. We couldn't control the health issues that hit our family. We couldn't control uh, change in circumstances or unexpected bad news. That stuff happens. It's part of life. But sometimes the depletion happens because of the choices that I make. And I can control that. And the cool thing is, I can control turning that too. When I, when I repent, when I confess, when I turn back to my father, he's there with open arms every time. The truth is, all of this kind of stuff happens to every single person and nobody is immune. This is life. This is life in a fallen world, which is why our soul needs replenished on a daily basis. To protect is to trust that God's version of my story is one of wholeness and health, and then to organize my life around that trust. Protecting your soul requires replenishing your bucket. So I just want to leave us this morning with a few areas that I think represent our life well that we need to be focused on evaluating and replenishing on a regular basis. And so you'll see there's a little round circle on your on your handout, if you want to follow along, we're going to just quickly go through these for time's sake. And the screen will show you as well. So on the left, we're going to start with connecting with God. Connecting with God, the spiritual aspect of this. Our soul needs to be with God. It was designed and created to be with God. So on a practical level, we need to meet with him. I have learned to view this as a daily appointment. Just like when I set up appointments with other people, I have a daily appointment with Jesus. Usually it happens early in the morning before I go off to work, but I have found that I need three things to make this work for me. I need to set a time, I need to have a place, and I need to develop a routine. My routine can change, but those three things are just part of the appointment that I have with Jesus every day. In fact, my place is a chair It's a really comfortable chair in a room of our house that I just, when I sit in that chair, I'm hanging out with Jesus. And it's one-on-one time. It's solo time with him. That experience, that routine has three elements for me. Silence and solitude, where I can just simply unplug and listen and not have the noise. Savoring scripture, so I can let God's word just feed me and fuel me with truth. And then daily surrender, where I can acknowledge the things that are on my to-do list, the things that I need to be doing that day, and I can just, with open hands, trust that God's got, he's got it. The question today, how satisfied are you with your personal walk with Jesus? How satisfied are you with your connectedness right now? Secondly, investing in family. Family looks different for each of us. Whether you're married or you're single, you're raising kids or you're grandparenting, families are designed to be a source of life and replenishment. I know that not all family dynamics are life-giving. Many are very complex and draining. We can't control the family dynamics that we inherited, 
but we can control our response to it. We have an opportunity to be, an intention, to be intentional about how we give and receive love in our family dynamics. And that's what God asks us to do, is to lean in to be a life-giving, loving presence with those closest to us. So the question today is, how satisfied are you with your family as a life-giving source of replenishment? Thirdly, satisfying work. Having a fulfilling job is critical to your soul because you will spend about a third of your life doing it. Your job will either add significant levels of joy to your life or it will multiply your misery factor, right? King Solomon put it this way, it is good and proper for people to find satisfaction, replenishment in their labor. So here's some questions just to ask around this one. Does your job fit your passion and match your gifts and skills? Is your work culture healthy and life-giving? Are you appropriately challenged in your job? And is your workload realistic and sustainable? God wants our work to be a bucket-filling experience and not draining. So the question is, how satisfied are you today with your current work status. Fourth, recreation. Recreation refreshes the mind, the body, and the soul through activities that you love to do. Recreation literally recreates energy and vitality in your inner person. It's interesting because studies have shown that participating in recreational activities, it strengthens relationships, it elevates your mood, It increases your self-esteem and overall quality of life. God made us to enjoy this life. It's okay to have fun. And there's a wide variety of things that that looks like for each of us. But it's designed to recreate energy and vitality in our lives so that we'll be healthy to be able to give in all these other areas. So the question is, how satisfied are you in regard to the recreation aspect of your life? The next one is exercise. Did you know that regularly engaging in aerobic activity, strength training, and eating a healthy diet boosts your energy by as much as 20% every day? Imagine if you had 20% more energy to give. Exercise directly affects your weight. It improves your health. It reduces stress, and it promotes better sleep. Like most things, a small investment of time each day, even just 15 15 to 30 minutes, is all it takes to generate significant results. We're called to steward our bodies because that's what houses our soul right now, right? That's part of our soul care. And as we have the energy, God can use us to continue to advance his kingdom. So how satisfied are you with your current exercise routine? The sixth one is rest. I like this one. This one is hard for me, but I like reading about it, and I like practicing it. (laughs) So in Scripture, God never gives anybody an easy job. You ever notice that? You never heard him say to Moses, Hey, Moses, come over here by this burning bush. I am going to give you a cakewalk assignment to lead these guys from there over to there. Are you in? No. He made it extremely challenging and extremely difficult. 
God almost always gives hard, demanding, and seemingly impossible assignments. There's only one place where the word easy shows up in Scripture. Does anybody know where it is? It comes from Jesus himself, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here's what's interesting. Jesus uses the word easy not to apply to our circumstances or our assignments, but to apply to the soul. Your soul was not made for an easy life, but it was made for an easy yoke. Your soul was not made for an easy life, but it was made for an easy yoke. That's why rest is so critical. A rested soul is the easy yoke. When we don't regularly rest, we will be attacked by soul fatigue, which weakens our resolve, which distances our relationships and separates us from God. That's why in God's design, rest is not optional. That's why it's a command, a regular command to rest. Observing the Sabbath is God's design for rest, and it requires faith. Because if you're like me, You want to get ahead of the game going into the next week and get the next thing done ahead of time, right? Because otherwise, it's not going to get done. It requires enormous faith to say, nope, my to-do list is still there, but I'm just going to rest today. I'm going to do something that's going to replenish my soul today, and I'm going to honor God in it. So the question is, how satisfied are you with your rest habits? Seven is financial peace. Few things have the power to throw our lives into chaos like financial stress. No matter how full your bucket is, a dysfunctional relationship with money will leave you feeling anxious, discontent, and often overwhelmed. You ever been there? There's actually two reconciliations that I believe needs to happen in a person's life. The first is a spiritual reconciliation that we receive forgiveness for our sin and make peace with God through faith in Jesus. But there's a second one, and that is a financial reconciliation where we allow God to break the power that money has on our lives. This reconciliation removes our shame and guilt about past financial decisions, and it allows the Holy Spirit to fill us with the power and wisdom to move forward with a God-honoring stewardship approach. It's not ours to start with. Having a written plan for giving and saving and spending the resources that God entrusts to us will result in increased levels of peace, joy, and replenishment for our soul. So how satisfied are you with your financial management habits? Lastly, life-giving relationships. Friendship is all about knowing and being known. That's really what friends are all for, knowing and being known. It allows you to move beyond pretending and gives you permission to take off your mask and be real. Life-giving friends accept each other, faults and all. They serve one another where each party gives and receives in a way that's satisfying to both. And life-giving friends celebrate. They show up at important events. They mark life's milestones. They do community together. We all need people in our lives that know us and that we can know. 
The writer of Hebrews understood this when he said this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us encourage one another. Encourage is putting courage into someone. You can do this. So the question this morning is, how satisfied are you with the community in your life? Do you have life-giving people that can breathe that kind of life into you? So as we wrap up, our soul is the most important part of who we are. It is who we are. And replenishment is critical for it to thrive as God created it. It needs to be awakened, healed, and protected. In your bulletin, that insert with the life wheel, here's an interesting exercise as a take-home, okay? So we describe the, the eight little areas, but what's interesting to do is from the inside out, spend a few minutes at some point and shade what the level of satisfaction is visually in that aspect of life. So it might end up looking kind of like this. So some are more out, so that'd be satisfying. Some might be a little bit less. And what this can do is kind of create a picture visually of how you can assess the condition of your soul in the various elements that are listed here. And it can serve as a great conversation point if you're gutsy enough to talk to somebody about it. So this morning... I want to close with two simple questions, and that is, what is one thing that you need to stop doing in order to replenish your soul? And what is one thing you need to start doing in order to replenish your soul? Just pick one and focus on it and trust God with it. Ultimately, like the life-giving river up by Lake Superior, the soul needs to steadily receive the flow of God's Spirit. And Jesus closes our service this morning with an invitation to each of us. In John 7, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for reminding us of the truth of your word and how you have created us very simple and yet complex people. And God, I just pray that whatever area may have connected today, and knowing there's a lot of information, Lord, that you would just speak to us and help us to, to listen to your spirit, to listen to your voice, and to take focus on that one thing, and to completely surrender to you and ask that you would just replenish us where we need it today. And we will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.